Good morning. Nice to see everybody here. So, my wife is sick, so I slept on the couch last night. So, I woke up this morning, had no idea what time it was, and so I couldn't see my watch. So, I went to my cell phone, turned it on, and first thing I noticed, it was 6, 6 11. The second thing I noticed was a text message from Josh asking if I could preach. And so, I did a uh, window scroll mode and went to my Philo sermons and uh, was, uh, was able to find something for us this morning. Um, we'll be in the book of First John this morning, and so instead of getting the starting quarterback, we'll be getting the uh, you'll be getting the old grizzled veteran who's past his prime. All right, so uh, we'll be in the book of First John this morning, chapter two. Uh, we'll be looking at verses 3 through 6, 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. We will be reading verses 1 through 6, but the focus will be on 3 through 6. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if one does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And, we know, and by this we know that we have come to know Him, if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. But, whoso, but whoever keeps His word, in Him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in Him. Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank You for this time together. And Lord, we thank You for uh, Josh and uh, his, uh, his ministry to our church. Father, we pray for, uh, Father, that, that for His uh, healing. And uh, Father, so He can uh, uh, once again... Uh, join us. Uh, Father, we thank you that you have raised up uh, men throughout the church who are willing to step up and to uh, fill the gap and uh, when it is needed. Father, we thank you so much uh, for your word. And Father, Lord, that there is a way that we can know that we are truly yours. And uh, Father, we pray that uh, Lord, we can have confidence in that. We ask for your to be with us this morning, for us in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, I will be, you know some, some references that I may make will not be using out of the ESV. This is an older sermon and I was not using the ESV then, so please just uh, bear with me. I didn't, have, I didn't have a chance to go back and uh, change it to the ESV, but uh, you know, one of the things that... Uh, that, that uh, I tend to kind of cringe about, about children's songs, Bible songs, is the way that they can uh, kind of downplay a very serious, very weighty uh, matter. You know, uh, uh, the Lord told, told Noah there's going to be a floody floody. You know, uh, what, was, what happened during that floody floody? People died. <laughs> lots and lots of people died. Yeah, Joshua fought the battle 
of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Then what happened? They all rushed in and they killed everybody inside the walls of Jericho. But there is one, I think, there is some truth that we can also find in these uh, types of things. And one is in the song, Jesus Loves Me, just in the first line. Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. So how can we know that we are saved? John writes that we can know if we are saved. Many times preachers are asked, am I really saved? Do I really know the Lord? John in these verses gives us a series of tests we can apply to our own lives. Friend, not only can you know that you are saved, but God wants you to know that, uh, that you are saved. It is hard to do great things for God when you are waffling back and forth about your own salvation. Can you imagine telling someone about Christ and being uncertain of your own salvation? If you are a child of God, it is important that you know for certain that you are saved. Now hear these verses. And this I know. You know, there are a lot of things that I don't know. I'm sure there are a lot of things that you don't know. But I hope you know that the most important thing, if you truly are a child of God, that you, that, that you realize that you are a child of God and nothing can ever change that. You have the assurance of your salvation in Jesus Christ. This is one of the reasons John wrote this book is so that we know that we are saved and that we belong to God. Uh, the Bible says, for I know in 2 Timothy verses 1-12, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. The Bible teaches that you can know for certain that you have been saved. In uh, John chapter 5, verse uh, 13, he says, Now the man who had been healed did not know what, who, who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn. Oh, sorry, that's the wrong place. But... Um, 1 John 5.13, thank you. <laughs> I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know that you have eternal life? According to the Word of God, do you know that you have eternal life? Look at our text this morning. He says, and by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. John begins to introduce us to the series of tests whereby we can know beyond any shout, 
shadow of a doubt that it is real, whether it's authentic, intimate type of faith. Now notice the assurance of our salvation. How, do, how we know we are saved is not based on some emotional feeling. I'm not against emotion, and I don't think the Word of God is against any emotion that are kept in check by discipline. What I'm talking about is a person who says, I'm saved because I feel saved because of some emotional experience I had. Friends, the things to know you are saved is to see what the Word of God says. I hope you can say this morning that you know. I didn't ask. Do you go? Do you know you go to church? Do you know that you tithe? Do you know you read the Bible? There are a lot of religious people who think they must be saved because, after all, they go to church. Who you know? No, those who think that they must be saved because they sing in a choir, that they think they must be saved because they do a thousand and one religious things. Friends, religious people go to hell. Jesus says in that day, Lord, didn't we prophesy, cast out demons? Jesus says these sobering words, I never knew you. It's not that he knew them once and once and then forgot them, but he never knew them in the first place. So how can we know that we belong to God? Notice in verse 3 through 4 that John says that if your faith is real, if you have repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that faith in Christ, that we put in Christ, comes from God. It is not something that we make of our own volition, our own decisions. It is because of what God has instilled in us. God saves us. First of all, there will be an attitude of consistent living. There will be an attitude of consistent godly living. A person who is genuinely saved will have a heart attitude for the things of God. If you know Jesus as your Savior, it will be in your heart to do the will of God, to ex execute God's plan for uh, your life, what God ha would have us to do. There will also be an attitude of obedience in your heart if you are saved. Now, someone may say, uh, if there is an attitude of obedience, if there is an execution of the will of God, then it sounds like you're talking about sinless perfection. I'm not talking about sinless perfection because it would be impossible for us to do that. But rather the general overall attitude of our heart to do what God's Word tells us to do. Look at what it says again in verse 3. <clears throat> and by this we know that we have no that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. He is talking about something that we did in the past. In our past, we heard the gospel. We were convicted and we were drawn by the Holy Spirit to Jesus Christ and He saved us. Now we know that experience was real because we have a desire to do God's work. So He says, in the past, we have come to know Christ God has saved us. In the past, we entered into that relationship with Christ, and we have experienced Christ by faith. 
this knowing that John speaks of is not just a mirror uh, intellectual knowledge. If, if all you have is an intellectual knowledge of, of Jesus, and then you do not have salvation. If all you have is an academic understanding of who Jesus is and what he did, then you don't have salvation. This is a faith experience. We know him because we have put our faith in him. And because he has the one, because he has saved us. Salvation is more than acknowledging some historical facts about Jesus is more than saying, I believe he is the son of God who died on the cross. I believe that he came out of the grave and isn't all um, that is necessary for salvation. Salvation is more than intellectual experience. It is a faith experience. So John says, uh, we know him. If we know him, we will have a desire to keep his commandments. Look back in Chapter 1 in verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. As he, John says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Here is the connection. Knowing God is walking in the light. If you are walking in a light, then you know God. If you walk in darkness, then you are not with fellowship with God. And John knows John says all of this is conditional on this truth. If you know him, you will keep his commandments. The word keep there means uh, to guard. It means to, uh, to preserve, to watch. John is saying you have a treasure and that treasure is keeping the commandments of God. If you know Jesus Christ and the desire of your heart is to carefully guard the commandments of God so that you can carry them out. And I want to ask us all this morning, is it our passion and our desire of our heart to do what God wants us to do. You know, you may say, well, sometimes I fail. That's not the question. Sometimes I, I just don't do it. Sometimes I just rebel against God. Sometimes I know, but I don't do. That's not the question. The question is, is there a desire in your heart to do what God says for you to do. John says this is how we know we have a desire even though we still sin. Even though we stray. Even though we get out of the will of God, there is still a desire to do what God wants us to do. Uh, John uh, MacArthur once said, if you could lose your salvation, then you would lose your salvation. And that's just simply meaning this. If it was up to us, we would, because of our sin nature, we would rebel and we would uh, against Him. But if God can save us, then God can keep us. So, First John says, uh, this is how you know you belong to God. That your faith is legitimate. That it is authentic, that it is real, that the 
consuming passion of your heart and desire of your heart is the keep commandments of God. Now he states this negatively in the next verse. Notice what he says in verse 4. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. No one is in fellowship with God simply because they say they are. You can say whatever you want to say, but that doesn't mean you are a Christian. You can say this morning, I'm in fellowship with God. I must be in fellowship with God. Look where I am. I must be in fellowship with God because I enjoyed the music. I must be in fellowship because I even joined in. I must be in fellowship with God because I tithe. All these things are fine, and we need to keep doing these things, but don't confuse all of that with being in fellowship with God. You can be backslidden and be in church. You can be involved in heinous sins against God and man and still be in church every Sunday, but, but still not be in fellowship with Him. Notice in verse 4, he is talking about counterfeit Christians. They want to believe they are Christians. They want to others to believe they are Christian. But the fact of the matter is, they are not saved. You can say whatever you want to say about your spiritual state. But do you have a desire and passion for the things of God? John says, you don't know God if you do not have those things for the desire and the passion for the things of God. We have this mentality in the Christian church today that all you have to do is walk down an aisle and you're saved. Everything is okay and it's easy, believism, and that all just equals salvation. Not according to John. John says here there's much, there is more to it than that. When you come to Christ in faith, when you repent and put your faith in Christ, there is a change that takes place. You can't experience Christ without being changed. So John says there are those that say that they are Christians who are actually counterfeit Christian. To the untrained eye, a counterfeit $100 bill may look real, but to those who are trained, it is, they are not fooled. To your family, your church family, and to your friends, you may look and sound like a genuine Christian and all the while be lost and on the road to hell. John says if we know him and don't keep his commandments, then we are a liar and the truth is not in us. John is saying if you do not submit to the Scriptures, if there is not the desire to obey the Word of God, then your faith is not genuine. So do we have an, an attitude of, of consistent living? Do we walk? Uh, does our walk match what we say and what we do? If, if people look at your life, is there a contradiction? Do you come to church on Sunday and know all the right things to say, but the rest of the week you act like the rest of the world? If you know Christ, and there will be a consistency in what you say and what you do. If someone says they know Christ but don't do His commands, then he is a liar. In verse 5, But whoever keeps His word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. 
By this we may know that we are in Him. If someone reads and hears and acts on the Word of God, if this person who really wants to honor God with her life, they want to bring glory to God, this is a person that falls, but when they fall, they get up and John says that they ask forgiveness of their sin. They move on in their relationship with God. They never stay down when they get down. In verse 5, he says this is a person that the love of God is perfected, an abiding desire to do what the Word of God says. John is not saying that we need to do anything in order to get God to love us. Whether you keep every commandment or break every one of them, God still loves you if you are His. God, God doesn't love you because you keep His commandments. God does not love you because of what you promise to do or what you say about your relationship to Him. God loves you today because that is the nature and character of God and you don't do things that draw out God's love. God is love and that is why He loves you. But notice that John says whoever keeps His commandments, that's how the love of God is perfected. God doesn't love us for who we are. He loves us despite of who we are. In Romans 5, 5, Paul says, uh, when you are saved, the love of God is shed uh, abroad in your heart. The love of God floods your heart. The moment that we, that God saved us, the Spirit of God filled our heart with love of God. But if we are growing in your fellowship with God, if you are growing in your fellowship with God, He says the love of God is being perfected. It, what it means is simply if it's being, it's not being made perfect, it's being, it's being made fulfilled. It's a, it's a sanctification. We, it's an ongoing process uh, toward holiness. Friend, if you know God and if you have fellowship with God, it is saying God's love is accomplishing what God's love was sent in your heart to do. God wants us to use that love in service to Him, to do things for Him out of love, not to make, uh, to check off some list of, of, God, of, of religious things to do. There are a lot of people in our society today who have strange reasons to do the right thing. You can do the right thing for the wrong reasons. Just, just doing the right thing, though, is not enough. You have to do the right thing for the right reason. And here he gives us that reason. That reason is our love for God and, our, and God's love for us. Can we honestly and truthfully say that we love God? Can we honestly say that God's love is accomplishing in your heart what it is intended to accomplish? God's love is accomplished in a life that honors him. But we know that if there is a, but we know that if there is a consistency in our life, what we profess matches our lifestyle. We know what we know we know that we know him if we are aware of his love in us and allowing his love accomplishing in us and through us what he wants us to do. There we, we know him if there is a Christ likeness in verse 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 
their Christian life is pretty simple in this aspect. And, uh, and uh, it, but man has made it complicated. Man has made all sorts of rules and, and regulations and added to it. Man said it is about rituals and, and performance of what you can do. John says that what is important is letting the life of Christ being expressed in your life when you let the life of Christ be expressed through your living. Christ's likeness is not about as much as it is Christ's likeness is about is about Christ living in us and through us. And one final thing I want to tell you that hopefully takes a lot of pressure is that we don't have to meet somebody else's standards. What we have to do is submit and let the life of Christ be seen in us and let Him express Himself through us. Anything less than that is a cheap imitation. So how do we know we are in Christ? Are we allowing Christ to express Himself through us? The word abide in verse 6 has nothing to do with our relationship with God on whether you know Him or not. It is a fellowship word. John 15 says, Abide in me and you will produce much fruit. It means to remain, to abide. Are you remaining in a close relationship with Jesus? Abiding in Christ is having that closeness and that oneness there. It is, it is, it's that close communion with God between you and Jesus. We must imitate Christ. It gives us Christian ethic. We walk like Jesus walked. We ought. It means, when it says we ought to walk like Jesus walked, it means we owe. We are under divine obligation to live as Jesus did. A word of caution. Don't, it's not, it's not get caught up in the legalism, which is when we get caught up in at, um, making the making check marks on a list of how to be righteous on our spiritual board. That leads to self-righteousness where we rely on our own works and through the words of Christ. We can do the right thing for the wrong reason and God knows the reason that we do things. Jesus said if we do things for the uh, praise of man, then that's exactly what we get is the praise of man and nothing else. We are to do things for Him in secret. And one final verse in Ephesians. Chapter 1. We can take comfort in this. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. 
Peyton read this, read this morning about Jesus saying, no one can snatch you out of my hand. And I've talked to people who believe you can lose, lose your salvation who say, well, yes, yeah, Jesus said you can't snatch them out of my, out of my hand, but it doesn't say anything about you, be, about, about you jumping out on your own. And I'm like, how weak of a God do you serve? Here, this says we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That is a very strong word. You think about what the seal, this is talking about the, the king seal. <coughs> An example, think about the book of Esther. What happened? Remember, they, um, <coughs> Haman was, he, he, he conned the king into making an edict against the Jews. And what he did, he sealed it with his ring. And even after he realized he was conned, there was nothing that he could do to undo that. All he could do was to make, <coughs> was to make a proclamation, kind of give, make it a little, little bit easier on the Jews by saying that they're more than welcome to defend themselves. But that seal, once that seal was made, it was unbreakable. Friends, if you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, that bond is unbreakable. God has sealed us we cannot, once we are His, we are always His. <coughs> Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. and Father, we thank You for the gift of salvation. Father, that it wasn't anything, knowing Father, it wasn't anything that we did on our own. But Father, it was all Your work in us that, that was... And that gave us this gift. And Father, if you <coughs> saved us, then we can't unsave ourselves. Father, Lord, just thank you. Father, that, that we can have that peace and that confidence. Father, yes, we will fall. And Father, I, I pray that, Lord, that uh, we would repent. Father, get back up. Father, and continue in our sanctification, Father, until, until that time when... You call us home or you come back. Father, thank you so much for your love and all that you do for us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.